church. It is great to be together this morning. Welcome to our Good Friday service. Uh, my name is Sean. I'm the lead pastor here. Uh, if you're visiting, great to have you with us. We're so glad to have you with us. And if you're joining us online, uh, thank you for tuning in as well. It's great to gather this morning, and we appreciate you as well. This morning, we're going to be taking some time to remember the passion of Jesus. That is his journey to the cross. We're going to spend a lot of time in Scripture. If you've got a Bible in front of you, I'll invite you to open to John chapter 18. If you've got a device, you can work it there too. They work just as well, I find. So we'll read some Scripture. We'll mix in some music. And at the end of the service, we'll have a time where where we will invite you to come forward and take communion. Uh, We'll kind of direct traffic to come down the middle of the room and then head back down the outsides. Uh, Just keep an eye on that TV if you're headed to the back over there. And then once the service concludes, um, again, we'll just invite you to uh, kind of journey towards the exit quietly as others may be still spending time kind of reflecting on what we have sung and what we have heard this morning. And I'll repeat those communion instructions when we get there as well. So let me pray and then we'll begin. Father God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the opportunity that we have to gather, to remember. To remember all that you've done to draw us to you. And Jesus, this morning, as we reflect on the events of that first Good Friday, I pray against any kind of spirit of familiarity with the text that maybe we've, we've heard these verses enough times that they just sort of bounce off us as they're too, too regular, too normal. We've heard them enough, enough times. times. But I pray that you would um, stir in our hearts this morning. Help us to, again, remember all that you have done for us. And Jesus, we pray all these things in your good name. Amen. As I mentioned, we're going to be in John 18 and 19. And uh, as a church, we had worked through a lot of the gospel of John up until Christmas, and then we took a break waiting for this moment. John's entire gospel has been building up to right now. It's like a wave that's been swelling and just about ready to crash. Jesus' hour, which was first introduced back in John chapter 2 when he was at that wedding in Cana, has finally come. And the momentum of this moment has been building long before Jesus first turned that water into wine. The momentum for this moment began at the start of history with the promise of a Savior. And from that that moment moment on, all of human history has been pointing and moving towards this moment. And when it took place, Jesus' death on a cross became history's dividing line. No event in history has shaped history itself like Jesus' death on the cross. Everything that took place before it has pointed to it, and everything that has taken place since looks back at it. And for those who claim the title of Christian, the cross is central to everything we believe, everything we do, and everything that we are. Now, the reason the cross stands as the central image of Christianity isn't because there was a really good marketing team back in the first century. 
But for the Christian, the cross marks the moment where God offered his son as the penalty for our sin. It's where fallen mankind was redeemed. It's where sin and death were defeated and where God extended terms of peace to his enemies at the cost of his son's life. It would be impossible for us to overstate the significance of the cross. How deep the Father's love. Would you stand as we sing? Yeah. 
I know with all my heart His wounds have paid my ransom Why should I gain? Why should I gain from His I cannot I know His words have paid my ransom. Reading from John 18, starting at verse. One. And Jesus went out with his disciples across the Kidron Valley, where there was a garden, and he and his disciples went into it. Now Judas, who betrayed him, also knew the place, because Jesus often met there with his disciples. And so Judas took a company of soldiers and some officials from the chief priests and the Pharisees, and he came there with lanterns and torches and weapons. Then Jesus knowing everything that was about to happen to him, went out and said to them, Who is it that you're seeking? Jesus of Nazareth, they answered. I am he, Jesus told them. And Judas, who betrayed him, was also standing with them. And when Jesus told them, I am he, they stepped back and fell to the ground. And then he asked them again, Who is it that you're seeking? Jesus of Nazareth, they said. I told you I am he, Jesus replied. So if you're looking for me, let these men go. This was to fulfill the words he had said. I have not lost one of those you have given me. Then Simon Peter, who had a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. At that, Jesus said to Peter, put your sword away. Am I not to drink the cup the Father has given me? And then the company of soldiers, the commander, and the Jewish officials arrested Jesus and tied him up. First, they led him to Annas, since he was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, who was high priest that year. Caiaphas was the one who had advised the Jews that it would be better for one man to die for the people. And Simon Peter was following Jesus, as was another disciple. That disciple was an acquaintance of the high priest, so he went with Jesus into the high priest's courtyard. But Peter remained standing outside the door. And so the other disciple, the one known to the high priest, went out and spoke to the girl who was the doorkeeper and brought Peter in. Then the servant girl said, uh, who was the doorkeeper, said to Peter, You aren't one of this man's disciples too, are you? I am not, he said. Now the servants and the officials had made a charcoal fire, fire because it was cold. And they were standing there warming themselves, and Peter was standing with them, warming himself. And the high priest questioned Jesus about his disciples and about his teaching. I have spoken openly to the world, Jesus answered him. I have always taught in the synagogue and in the temple, where all the Jews gather. I haven't spoken anything in secret. Why do you question me? Question those who heard what I told them. Look, they know what I said. 
And when he had said these things, one of the officials standing slapped Jesus, saying, Is that the way you answer the high priest? If I have spoken wrongly, Jesus answered him, give evidence about the wrong. But if rightly, why do you hit me? Then Anna sent him bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. And now Simon Peter was standing and warming himself. And they said to him, You aren't one of his disciples too, are you? And he denied it and said, I am not. One of the high priest's servants, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, said, Didn't I see you with him in the garden? Peter denied it again, and immediately a rooster crowed. They led Jesus from Caiaphas to the governor's headquarters. It was early in the morning. They did not enter the headquarters themselves, otherwise they would be defiled and unable to eat the Passover. So Pilate came out to them and said, What charge do you bring against this man? And they answered him, If this man weren't a criminal, we wouldn't have handed him over to you. And so Pilate told them, Well, then you take them and judge him according to your law. And the Jews declared, It's not legal for us to put anyone to death. And they said this so that Jesus' words might be fulfilled indicating what kind of death he was going to die. Now when we read these verses, how many times did we read something like, this happened to fulfill? Jesus knew what was coming. Again and again, we're told what's happening in these verses is all a part of Jesus' plan. He knew what he was doing. He knew what was coming, and he kept moving forward. Jesus was not some helpless victim caught up in a religious argument, nor was he a courageous martyr just standing up for his own beliefs. But Jesus is the sovereign Savior, the one who orchestrated these events so that he could rescue his people and reestablish the gift of his presence with us. And for us, our response shouldn't be to look on Jesus with pity or to look at him and say, look how brave he was. But first and foremost, to look at Jesus with faith because he is in control. wonderful cross calls us to come and die that we might truly live. Oh, the wonderful cross, all who gather here by grace, draw near and bless his name. Would you stand, please?
into his headquarters. And he summoned Jesus, and he said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Are you asking this on your own, or have others told you about me? I'm not a Jew, am I? Pilate replied. Your own nation and the chief priests handed you over to me. What have you done? My kingdom is not of this world, said Jesus. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I would not be handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not from here. So you are a king then, Pilate asked. You say that I am a king, Jesus replied. And I was born for this, and I've come into the world for this, to testify to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. What is truth, Pilate said. And after he had said this, he went out to the Jews again and told them, I find no grounds for charging him. Now you have a custom that I release one prisoner to you at the Passover. So do you want me to release to you this king of the Jews? And they shouted back, not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a revolutionary. Then Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged. And the soldiers also twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head and clothed him in a purple robe. And they kept coming up to him and saying, Hail, King of the Jews! And were slapping his face. Pilate went outside again and said to them, Look, I'm bringing him out to you to let you know that I find no grounds for charging him. Then Jesus came out wearing the crown of thrones and the purple robe. And Pilate said to them, Here is the man. When the chief priests and the temple servants saw him, they shouted, Crucify! Crucify! And Pilate responded, Take him and crucify him yourselves, since I find no grounds for charging him. Now we have a law, the Jews replied to him, and according to that law he ought to die because he made himself the Son of God. When Pilate heard this statement, he was more afraid than ever. He went back into the headquarters and asked Jesus, Where are you from? But Jesus did not give him an answer. And so Pilate said to him, Do you refuse to speak to me? Don't you know that I have the authority to release you and the authority to crucify you? You would have no authority over me at all, Jesus answered him, if it hadn't been given to you from above. This is why the one who handed me over to you has the greatest sin. From that moment, moment on, Pilate kept trying to release him, but the Jews shouted, If you release this man, you're no friend of Caesar. For anyone who makes himself a king opposes Caesar. When Pilate heard these words, he brought Jesus outside, and he sat down on the judge's seat in a place called the Stone Pavement. And it was preparation day for the Passover, and it was about noon. And he told the Jews, here is your king. And they shouted, take him away, take him away, crucify him. And Pilate said to them, should I crucify your king? We have no king but Caesar, the chief priests answered. Then he handed him over to be crucified. And then they took Jesus away. And carrying the cross by himself, he went out to what is called the place of the skull, which is in Aramaic called Golgotha. 
And there they crucified him and two others with him, one on either side with Jesus in the middle. And Pilate also had a sign made and put on the cross and said, Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. And many Jews read this sign because of the place where Jesus was crucified and it was near the city. And it was written in Aramaic and Latin and Greek. So the chief priests of the Jews said to Pilate, don't write the king of the Jews, but that he said, I am the king of the Jews. Pilate replied, would I have written? I have written. In these verses, four times Pilate calls Jesus the king of the Jews. Now, does he believe that Jesus is that king or is he just mocking the Jews in this moment? Ultimately, his motives don't matter. But what matters is that Jesus is being presented as the king of the Jews. And that sign that was nailed above Jesus' head declares the same thing. And in three languages, because this king's death impacted more than just one nation. The soldiers mockingly dressed him up as a king. But what they didn't realize is that this king was unlike any other before and any other since. This was a king like the world had never seen. It's a king who humbled himself to die so that he might rescue and deliver those who hate him and those who rebel against him. This is the king, yet this is a rejected king. Why was he rejected? Because he challenged the religious leaders of the day and the things that they held most dear, their system of religion, the control that they had over the nation, and the guilt and shame that they could leverage into that control. But Jesus came to offer freedom from guilt and freedom from fear. He taught that religion was not the answer, but the gospel, God's free gift of grace, is what people need. Now within each one of us, our hearts are a mess. It's a sordid mixture and collection of, I can do this, I want this, and I'll figure it out on my own. And religion looks at that filthy mess and says, do this to fix yourself. But Jesus had a better way. Jesus came and he got right into the mess. And he started digging through the junk, digging through the trash, digging through the grime and the dirt and the mud and the mess that sin had made in every single one of our hearts. And the gospel, God's grace, expels sin and transforms our hearts. Listen, you and I, we don't need our morals modified or our behavior transformed or adjusted. We need our hearts, the very core of who we are, transformed, renewed. And that's what Jesus came to do, transform us forever. invite you to stand please as we sing once again Jesus Christ we think upon your 
sacrifice you became nothing poured out to death many times I wondered at your gift of life I'm in that place once again I'm in that place once again And once again I look upon the cross where you died. I'm humbled by your mercy and broken inside. Once again I thank you. Once again I pour out my love. Now you Exalted to the highest place, King of the heavens, where one day above, but for now, I marvel at this saving grace, and I Sing once again, I look upon the cross where you died. I'm humbled by your mercy, Once again, I thank you. Once again, I pour out my heart. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the cross, thank you for the cross, my friend. We thank you for the cross, thank you for the cross, thank you for the cross, my friend. We sing once again, I look upon the cross soldiers crucified Jesus, they took his clothes and divided them into four parts, a part for each soldier. And they also took his tunic, which was seamless, woven in one piece from the top. So they said to one another, let's not tear it, but cast lots for it to see who gets it. This happened that the scripture might be fulfilled that says they divided my clothes among themselves and they cast lots for my clothing. And this is what the soldiers did. Standing by the cross were his mother, his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. And when Jesus saw his mother and the disciple that he loved standing there, he said to his mother, Woman, this is your son. And he said to the disciple, Here is your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her into his home. After this, when Jesus knew that everything was now finished, 
that the scripture might be fulfilled, he said, I'm thirsty. And a jar of sour wine was sitting there, so they fixed a sponge full of sour wine on a hyssop branch, and they held it up to his mouth. And when Jesus received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. And then bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. Since it was a preparation day, the Jews did not want bodies to remain on the cross on the Sabbath, for the Sabbath was a special day. And they requested that Pilate have the legs, the men's legs broken and their bodies taken away. So the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first man of the other, and of the other who had been crucified with him. And when they came to Jesus, they did not break his legs, since they saw that he was already dead. One of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and at once blood and water came out. He who saw this has testified so that you may also believe. His testimony is true, and he knows that he is telling the truth. For these things happened so that the scripture would be fulfilled. Not one of his bones was broken. Also, another scripture says, they will look upon the one they pierced. After this, Joseph of Arimathea, who was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly because of his fears of the Jews, asked Pilate that he might remove Jesus' body. And Pilate gave him permission. And so he came and took his body away. Nicodemus, who had previously come to him at night, also came, bringing a mixture of about 75 pounds of myrrh and aloes. And they took Jesus' body and they wrapped it in linen cloths with fragrant spices according to the burial custom of the Jews. And there was a garden in the place where he was crucified. And a new tomb was in the garden. No one had yet been placed in it. And they placed Jesus there because of the Jewish day of preparation, preparation and since the tomb was nearby. Have you ever stopped to think about what Jesus meant when he said, it is finished? Taking time to think, what does it mean when Jesus says, it is accomplished? What does that mean for me in this moment? Well, Jesus finished the work that God had given him to do on earth. It's complete. God's rescue plan God's plan for salvation had been brought to fruition. It had been fulfilled. In the opening verses of this gospel, we read that John the baptizer looked at Jesus and said, here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And now Jesus' work as sin bearer and savior was complete because he laid his life down on the cross. His sacrificial offering completes the divine rescue mission. Jesus offers himself, his own life, as the perfect once-for-all Passover lamb that brings deliverance from freedom, or brings deliverance, it brings freedom. And freedom from slavery, and freedom from the bondage to sin, and it brings salvation. 
There would no longer be a need for regular and annual sacrifices. The penalty for sin is now completely served. The price for redemption completely paid. The justice of God completely satisfied. And the deliverance of sinners completely secured. It is finished. This is what we celebrate on Good Friday. And this is what we celebrate when we take communion together. All that Jesus did for us and that we've accepted that incredible gift of grace that is his completed work. Maybe you've never heard this story before, but you want to accept this gift as a gift for yourself. Maybe you grew up in or around church and and you were turned off or hurt or beaten and broken up by people who said they were Jesus followers, even leaders, even pastors. If that rings true, can I say on their behalf that I'm sorry that you've been hurt by the church? I am not perfect. I have made mistakes. I have hurt people and I've misrepresented Jesus and his good gift of grace. But please, for the best look at the Christian faith, don't just look at me, but look first to Jesus. If you've got that stirring in your heart this morning, whether you're here or whether you're watching online, that it's time to come to Jesus, that you've tried so many other things and still feel far from complete, still feel that something's missing, maybe it's time to accept the forgiveness that Jesus offers from the cross. And you know how you can start or restart that relationship with Jesus and accept that gift? It's really easy. You just say, yes, Jesus. Jesus, I need you. I cannot do this on my own. Forgive me. Make me new. Thank you for what you did on the cross. You don't have to have it all figured out in this moment. Just start with yes. So let me pray. And the team will come lead us in a final song. And we'll simply have the elements up here at the front. And when you're ready, ready, if you would call yourself a follower of Jesus, maybe for the first time, maybe for the last two minutes you've called yourself a follower of Jesus, I'll invite you to come down and grab the elements, take them back to your seat, and just thank Jesus for his body broken for us, his blood shed for us. As I said, the team will lead us in a closing song, and then they'll just continue to play quietly after that. And we'll invite you, uh, if you want to take communion, of course, come take communion. But as a team just kind of plays quietly, to just um, head towards the exit when you're ready uh, and leave this as kind of a, a quiet, sacred space as we reflect on all that Jesus has done. Let me pray. Jesus, thank you again for your word that we have these two chapters in front of us this morning that describe how you finished your work on the cross. The detail for us that 
you were in control of all of this. There was no mistake. There was no surprise happening here. You weren't just caught up in conflict or, or just giving yourself as a martyr, but you are the sovereign king, Lord of lords, king of kings, who went to the cross to redeem your people. And so as we sing this last song and as we take the elements, the bread and the cup, Jesus, thank you for your body broken for us and your blood shed for us so that we can be transformed, that our hearts can be made new and drawn to you. We pray all this, Jesus, in your good name. Amen.
and with one voice a thousand generations sing worthy is the Lamb who was laid and on that day we join the resurrection and stand beside the heroes of our faith with one voice a thousand generations sing worthy is the lamb who was Jesus and the saints, we raise a mind.